Welcome to our Clothed with the Sun daily podcast, our reading and meditation on the gospel of the day. I am James Thomas. Today is Saturday, August the 12th, 2023. It is the 18th Saturday of Ordinary Time, and it's also the Feast of St. Jane Francis de Chantal. Our reading today is from the Gospel according to St. Matthew. A man came up to Jesus, knelt down before him, and said, Lord, have pity on my son who is a lunatic and suffers severely. Often he falls into fire and often into water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Jesus said in reply, O faithless and perverse generation, how long will I be with you? How long will I endure you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked him, and the demon came out of him. And from that hour the boy was cured. Then the disciples approached Jesus in private and said, Why could we not drive it out? He said to them, Because of your little faith. Amen, I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. So we've heard this story told in a few different ways. Maybe it wasn't the same people that had the issues with the demons, but in one story, Jesus says you need more faith. In another one, he says these demons can only be driven out through prayer. And I'm confused by that one because I thought they were praying. And then in another one, Jesus says these demons can only be driven out through prayer and fasting. So that drives home the point about fasting, which I talked about recently and I wasn't going to talk about today, but I want to talk about this idea of faith and how faith can grow and how the devil is afraid of our faith. We could have faith the size of a mustard seed, very, very small, but then it grows into the largest of plants. Our faith, and and this is another thing about realizing what the kingdom is. Some people Ah, contemporary Catholicism has all these different ideas about what their mission is. Um, I don't know. I I can't get into their heads. Sometimes they think the mission is just to empower people to have leadership because they can't have it anywhere else due to human defects or to give people a social club to belong to because they don't get along anywhere else. And that's a shame. It's a shame to have to say that. and, And maybe I'm being mean by saying that, but, um, you know, as a church, we welcome everyone. We strive to love everyone. We strive to accept everyone. And that's a good thing. And the rest of the world does not do that. So that's good. But sometimes this, the mission is sacrificed because we put such a heavy emphasis on, well, we have to accept everybody, even though these people don't believe what we believe. Or, you know, we have to push the priest to the side so that these lay people who, you know, haven't really succeeded in other things are now going to lead the church. And that's not good. You know, I mean, it's one thing to say we accept and love everyone. It's another thing to say, well, we're going to sacrifice our mission in order to empower people, make them feel good about themselves who otherwise don't feel good about themselves. Well, no, not to sound mean, but maybe, you know, some counseling would help them. And if the mission of the church was being done properly, well, the church would help them and we'd make people feel good about themselves and we'd make people feel welcome and feel loved without sacrificing our mission. Sometimes we, uh, I don't know, there's a lot of different expressions we use, throw out the baby with the bathwater. Um, I mean, we had an expression in school that one day 
when there's no students left, this place is going to run perfectly. <laughs> in other words, <laughs> you know, sometimes, and, and working in parishes has been the same thing. We forget the mission because we're so busy focusing on the little externals, how to do a flow chart, how to run a QuickBooks or whatever, how to, how to have a better liturgy committee. And in the meantime, the liturgy is horrible. God's not being worshipped and people aren't coming. Uh, but anyway, so many of these things to put to the side now to just talk about faith. Faith is the most important thing. Jesus says when he cures people, when he heals people, he says, your faith has saved you. Faith isn't the most important thing. The most important thing is Jesus himself and the Holy Spirit that he gives us. They are both God. And so Jesus is filled with the Holy Spirit as a man in his mission, but then he sends to us the Holy Spirit after he conquers sin and death by his death on the cross, his resurrection, his ascension into heaven. So now we receive, and faith is a virtue, it's a gift as well. We receive the gift of faith at baptism. Uh, there's a human side to faith, but there's also a Holy Spirit, divine side to faith. So we, the best way to describe faith, I mean, I'm talking about it as a gift. It's also something that we do. Therefore, the best way to talk about it is it's a virtue because virtues are things that we have to work at, but also we get grace to grow in virtue. So faith is something that we do, but more importantly, it's something that God does. And we cooperate with God's grace so that we can grow in faith. And exorcists will tell us from their experience, that the devil is afraid of faith. The devil is driven out by faith, whether it's the faith of a little child, the faith of an old person, or somebody in between. Even somebody that's really screwed up and struggling, that person has faith, that person can drive out the devil. Of course, we don't recommend people to go around doing deliverance prayers unless they're in the state of grace. So confession is very, very important to make that happen and to keep people in grace. So Jesus is talking about the gift of faith and how the gift of faith can drive out demons. It can raise the dead. It can perform miracles. But more than anything else, faith uh, brings about a relationship with God. Faith brings about our salvation. We have our feast day today, the feast of St. Jane de Chantal. And St. Jane is a wonderful, her life is a wonderful story. There is a book about her called Bond of Perfection by Wendy Wright. Now, I've read that. There's other books, I'm sure, that are very good on her life, but that's the one that I've read. But it's such a good book because it talks about her relationship with St. Francis de Sales. And I mean, the, the writer is very insightful, and she just gets into how this woman struggled for many years with a lot of things. And her faith grew. It's a great story for people of today, just as St. Francis de Sales' writings are so good for people of today. And he wrote most of his writings for St. Jane de Chantal, his good friend. They had a tender brother-sister type male-female friendship where they loved each other deeply. They expressed their love to each other, but it was very chaste. It was very pure. And her faith is something that grew little by little, but also her sanity grew. See, this is the kind of thing I was talking about earlier. In those early days of her beginning to struggle with her faith and beginning to go forward in faith, I wouldn't have put her in charge of things in the parish 
I would have said we as a parish need to be strong to support a person like this. She's really struggling. She has a lot going on. But then over time, as she grew and grew and grew, then, well, look what happened. They put her in charge as a foundress of a new religious community. So, yes, you know, there is a place for everyone to lead as long as they are growing in their faith, growing in knowledge, growing in a relationship with Jesus. And also for her, you know, I I would say there were some psychological issues maybe too that she was wrestling with, struggling with, growing in. And that's good that she grew and she, she grew into this role where now she's considered a foundress of a great order in the Catholic Church, the Visitation Order. St. Jane had met St. Francis where he had just become, well, he was only a priest for a couple of years before he became a bishop. He was very successful in his first assignment, and he was a very intelligent person, very gifted in the spiritual life, very gifted in evangelization, just really good at everything he did. And then when he became a bishop, he was the Bishop of Geneva, where the Calvinists had pretty much taken over, and it was very dangerous for Catholics to even go into that area. Catholics could not practice their faith openly. So he did not spend much time in Geneva. It wasn't a safe place for him to be, and he did not openly have followers there. So St. Francis stayed in a region in southern France, the Savoy, Savoie region, and he wasn't really able to do much with his diocese, so he did all sorts of other things. Mainly, he was a spiritual director and a writer. And he just helped so many people one-on-one. So he met St. Jane. I think he was giving a talk and then she came up to speak to him after the talk. And she asked him to be her spiritual director. And he did take her on for spiritual direction. And the story of St. Jane at that point was that her husband had just died. She had had a few kids with him. And now she was running a household where she was taking care of her father and her father-in-law who both had health issues And she's raising children and she's mourning the loss of her husband. And in these writings, we find that she was emotionally a mess, as I imagine any of us would be, right? She was struggling. And St. Francis was not a therapist, but he had a lot of knowledge, a lot of wisdom, and he was her spiritual director. And you can read the introduction to the devout life that has so much good wisdom, plus the letters that these two wrote to each other. So much wisdom in there for spiritual growth and for human growth. And so she grew in relationships outside of her marriage that was now over because he had died. She grew in her relationship with this bishop. She helped him a great deal and he helped her a great deal. She helped him on many human levels. He helped her spiritually mostly. And she struggled in being a good mom, in being a good daughter and daughter-in-law, in just carrying out various tasks that she had to carry out, continuing to heal her own heart while she felt this call from God, not just to be a woman of deep prayer and grow in a relationship with God, but ultimately to become a sister and then ultimately to become a foundress of a new order. And so he helped her with this and they grew. And there are so many beautiful things to read about this relationship. St. Francis de Sales is known as one of the first Christian humanists. 
which we see hit an apex with Pope John Paul II in his Theology of the Body. We also see the sentiments of St. Francis de Sales reflected in the writings of the Second Vatican Council about how all people are called to holiness, but we all do it in different ways. We all are unique. We're unique and unrepeatable, Pope John Paul used to always say. So there's no set formula that applies to me and therefore also has to apply to you. We each live our vocations in our own unique ways, and we strive and we struggle to grow as men and women who love the Lord and who want to be close to him and have a good relationship with him and grow as men and women of virtue. St. Francis de Sales is a great one to read about how to grow in virtue, all the different virtues. And like I say, he struggled with the virtues because of so much in his life. She struggled with virtue because of so many things that happened in her life, and they helped each other to grow. They helped each other to meet the struggles and defeat the struggles. And so her faith grew and grew and grew just like the mustard seed. And she eventually founded this community where she had a number of sisters and there were new innovative things about this community. One was that they took in older women. They took in women that didn't have great health. Um, and they just, it was like humanistic. It was, it's hard to just explain in a brief little homily here. I've taken whole classes on this, uh, but humanism where we focus on the good of the person. We love the person into greater health, greater virtue, greater joy. Uh, even some of the new communities today that are very good and very healthy, even they I've seen here and there, they struggle with humanism. They struggle, you know, they, uh, and even back then, I mean, a lot of newer communities or recently reformed communities were more like uh, boot camp. And, and that's not necessarily a bad thing to say, okay, you know, we're going to take on a lot of penance. Look at Mother Teresa's Missionaries of Charity. I mean, you need a, a strong uh, constitution to join that community. I don't know what the older ones do. You know, I guess they have a infirmary or, you know, retirement home just like other communities. But uh, a lot of these communities in the church, especially when they're fresh, when they're pointed on their mission, when they're focused, I mean, they're, you know, they're rigorous, there's lots of prayer, there's lots of penance, there's lots of hard work in the kingdom, for the kingdom, in the vineyard. And so here comes this visitation community that St. Jane founded that was mostly contemplative and made it a point to take on people that were maybe not suited for these more rigorous types of communities. And uh, it's a beautiful thing that they were focused on, you know, the most important thing, and this is reflected in all their writings. Um, it's not about the externals. You know, you're not going to have a higher place in heaven because you folded your hands a little bit straighter than the next guy or because, you know, you did such and such a penance, but rather you're, you're judged on the heart. You're judged on, am I doing the best I can based on what I've been given? So yes, hey, if, if you can do great penances, do them. If you can do great works, do them. But if you can't, that's okay too. You can still grow in holiness. You can still be the best that you can be, your unique and unrepeatable self. So there's so much good to say there. And, and so, like I say, in these writings, you learn so much about friendship and how we're, we're meant to help each other. Sometimes we challenge each other. Sometimes we comfort each other. Um and friendship between men and women. It's not meant to be this, well, let's just stay away from each other because we might be tempted, but rather 
let's overcome that temptation with more genuine love, with a mature love that says, okay, who are you? I'm going to love you according to who you are and not according to how I want you to be. So her faith helped her to grow. It helped him to grow. Ultimately, it helped her community to grow. And ultimately, the universal church and the world benefited from her community more and more and more. And this is the message of the gospel. We each have to work on our own faith. We each have to be met with Jesus exactly where we are in our lives and strive to grow from there. You're not expected to be, you know, the great missionary of a whole country, you know, the minute you step in the door of the church. But rather, we, we are gentle with ourselves. St. Francis used to teach us all the time, be gentle with yourself. Take it one step at a time. Realize the Lord loves you and be like that little child that jumps into his father's or her father's arms or the child that jumps into their mother's lap, you know, considering Our Lady in this whole picture as well. So we, uh, we turn to St. Jane today. We pray through her intercession and the, the intercession of her good friend, St. Francis, that we may come to know ourselves better and know exactly what God is calling us to do. And in particular, the type of relationship that God wants us to have with him, that we may grow in that and that our faith may grow and that the evil around us is destroyed by the peace that flows from our purity of life and our being filled more and more with the Holy Spirit. Hope everybody has a great day. God bless you.